It's Europe Calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. Items in the news that you might have missed. Europe Calling. So, a very good day, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. And, of course, it's Europe Calling with Terry Whitehead and myself. Our date is the 8th of June, 2023. Well, our weather here is a bit unpredictable. Normally, we get uh, periods of long heat we're very mixed at the moment, uh, not exactly uh, rainy or depressing, but uh, we've got lots of clouds about and the definition on the mountain is a lot better now than it was earlier today. Let's go about uh, three quarters of an hour to the west. I should find Terry and hopefully uh, Terry's got reasonably good weather as well. So Terry, a good afternoon to you and how are you? All right, Vince. Yeah, it's um, cloudy here today. It's a lot better today. It's dry today. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, wonderful. We tipped down with rain yesterday. It's been the worst month of weather for this time of year I have ever experienced in my, what, 48 years here in Spain. Never in my life have I had... Uh, it's been four weeks now, really, of, of dismal, rainy, stormy, cloudy cloudy weather. Never had this before. It's really strange. Mm, interesting. I do remember a period of time that um, would be around 2002 when we had about four weeks of it. Um, that was very, very close to when we decided to come and live here. So that's why I can oh, remember it. <laughs> yeah, blame me. All right, Terry. Well, look, here we go. Um, lots of interesting things. Here's the first one. Okay, so I start today with uh, looking at some shocking data, which has revealed how the controversial American bully XL has been involved in the majority of fatal dog attacks in the UK since 2021. Uh, Leading calls from Peter, uh, Peter, sorry, that is in English, and several vet experts for the breed to be banned in Britain. Uh, Stan Rawlinson, a dog behaviourist with more than 20 years of experience, was called as an expert witness for the 1991 Dangerous Dogs Act and specialises in dog aggression. He told the paper that the bully XL is very, very reactive and warned deaths caused by the breed could soar in the coming months and years. The expert said amateurs are tinkering with DNA and making monsters. Superstars such as rapper Drake and Little Mix star Lee Ann Pinnock are known fans of the breed, which of course is uh, not particularly that uh, interesting to you or I probably, but very influential to those people that really see no further than the end of their nose. Uh, Terry, I know you were a, a dog man. Uh, I don't know if you still have dogs, but um, I've always been more for the cats. So what do you get? What do you read from that sort of information? Yeah, yeah. Well, I love dogs. Uh, I haven't got any at all at the minute. It's probably 
since uh, the last dog I had died about two years ago. Um, we had to have him put down, bless him. But he was uh, he was a good age. All our dogs have been good age. Um, all my dogs have lived outside the house, never been allowed in the house. I've all lived around out the house. That sits at the the patio doors entrance, but they would never step in. But anyway, long story short, the that, that type of dog is belongs in a zoo, behind a cage. Um, and it's funny you should bring that up because uh, four or five days ago, uh, one of my uh, still working guys, who's got an American pit bull, and uh, it, it it four or five days ago, it took the side of his face off him. Oh. I, I know he went into surgery yesterday for plastic surgery to try and restore the side of his face, but it literally took the side of his face off him. What the hell are people, A, buying these animals for? Every animal is, is dangerous. It, every animal is dangerous. But these particular animals and this type of animal, not just pit bulls, but uh, Staffordshire and all this, they're, they're, they're basically they're bred to kill. They're bred to, to fight. And they, they, they will... Bite and anybody. People say, "Oh, well, they're so good around my kids." They are until they bite them, and and it, sadly, it does happen. I would never ever trust any dog. I don't care if it's a poodle or a chihuahua. I would never trust any dog around children, and it grieves me to see children playing with dogs. It does. It is a shame because a child will pull it around and do things, and a dog's going to turn around and have a go. But they, this type of animal, well, they're, they're bred. They're bred because why? They they sell for lots of money. All these sort of things, these animals sell for lots of money. And, and sadly, for years now, it's been the vogue for people uh, to go out and buy, instead of spending money on shoes and, uh, and, and, and fashionable stuff, they go and buy a dog, because that's fashionable. So they have to be seen walking that particular type of dog uh, on a leash. Well, they're very, very sick walking on a leash around them so they can get the image. Uh, it's all part of their apparel. And it is wrong. And certainly uh, it's been so-called tough guys like to have a tough dog and walk around with this tough dog pulling at the leash as if he was trying to kill everybody. It's wrong. Uh, I'm sorry for the animals. but They are animals. They don't know any better. They don't know any different. Um, they are what they are and they always will be what they will be. They should be behind bars, in a cage, looked at in a zoo. And mm. the sooner they're banned and all that type of dog are banned uh, in all countries, never mind the UK, the better. Was this friend of yours in the in the UK or here in Spain? No, yeah, here in Spain. Right, okay. Um, mm. uh, because there's numbers of videos and uh, reports have been going through the media the last day or so. Uh, I mean, I, I was watching one this morning when there was a, a lady in a park, uh, fortunately a, a younger lady, and uh, some guy with three dogs, and the three dogs set about this lady. Um, I think she was not terribly, um, really badly uh, injured. But from what I looked at, it looked as if the dogs were totally and utterly out of control. And it looked like Mm. that uh, lady was very lucky not to have had uh, really horrific injuries. Uh, I'm hoping I've read that one right, but I've not read anything subsequent. Nobody trains their dogs nowadays. Uh, I've got two neighbours now where I'm forever having a row with them because the dogs just yap, yap, yap. Don't stop them yapping. They don't come out to quiet them down, and they are very annoying. You know, especially at five o'clock in the morning. Um, and, and nobody trains a dog. But the, these type of dog, these types, you're not going to train it out of them. It's in them. And, and you know, why, why don't you go and buy a tiger and walk that round the street and say how long that lasts and keep that in your house? What do you think? You're only one step away from it. 
it, it's stupid. It, uh, certainly in the UK, they need they need to bring forth uh, legislation and remove them from society. End of. Mm. When I um, first came to uh, live in Lanuthia, um, we were introduced to a guy who owned a club. You probably will have known this guy, but I don't know his name and I can't remember any more details other than he lived not far from me and he apparently had four Rottweilers. And uh, anyway, um, he was inviting me to come round and I was thinking, no, thank you, mate. Uh, That's one thing I don't think I'll be wanting to do. And Anne and I were walking uh, late, uh, well, not late-ish, but, you know, we were uh, at night walking around Lanuthia. And uh, we walked past this house and we heard this big thump. It was almost like something was about to fall down. And we turned around and there were four massive heads atop this gate and it was obviously his uh, house and those were his dogs Um, and later on uh, there was an incident at his house where his daughter got in between two of the Rottweilers and uh, whatever happened she lost a finger and from that uh, incident he had to go on a training course run by the police Um, But, I mean, the thing is, uh, you're quite right. There doesn't seem to be any restriction particularly. And I am a little bit fed up of seeing people walking around with these beasts on a leash. And it is a little bit of small man syndrome with some. But then you do see the bigger guys who obviously look fancy themselves as some sort of mixed martial artist or something walking around as if they own the place. And there won't be too many people wanting to argue with them while they've got the dog with them. No, yeah, I agree with you. It, it's it, it's wrong. Um, it's bad that the, the dogs aren't up generally. The dogs aren't uh, um, owned for the right reasons, not to, to be a loved and cherished animal. And this is the case we've been talking about. They're there to be a, a, a weapon. They're nothing more than a weapon. And it's a weapon that these people who own them have no idea how to control. They don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like putting a, giving a, 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 an automatic rifle to a child. Yeah. And then, then crying that you shot somebody. It's wrong. The, 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 the dogs, A, shouldn't be out in the street, and B, people with that mentality should not be owning dogs. It's, it's tantamount to walking down the road with a loaded weapon. OK, Terry, we need a light on after that, uh, which I'm Ooh. going to oblige <laughs> you with straight away. Okay, this is right up your street, this Terry, because it's a story about a pair of naturists. And uh, uh, they've said they're deeply saddened by a backlash. And this is all against a Somerset pub uh, where they enjoyed a naked meal, claiming that they have visited hundreds of bars and restaurants without facing criticism. This is a finance worker, bloke called Neil Cox, 34, and then a healthcare worker, Danielle, 35, sparked uproar. Uh, they stopped off at the railway pub in Burnham on Sea. This was on Friday night. Uh, they went down to the pub and outraged diners um, because the diners have posted a torrent of bad reviews on the internet. As punters claimed they were shocked, the seaside boozer let the two naturists sit down and enjoy a dinner. The naturists have now spoken out against the barrage of criticism faced by the Somerset pub in stating that he found it deeply saddening that individuals would attack a small business. 
that's trying to demonstrate acceptance and tolerance. And Mr Cox has now claimed to have visited more than 500 shops and restaurants and bars while nude without receiving a single complaint. It doesn't tell me that it's bl- that he's blind, but he's blind to other people, isn't he, by the sound of things. What's your, what's your take on this one? Well, of course he's received a complaint. Don't tell me he hasn't received a complaint. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's ridiculous. Uh, it's a funny area, isn't it? I mean, the, the, the nudity laws... Um, Certainly in the UK, it seems very strange. Um, so, but there was a guy that was walking the length of breadth of Britain, wasn't it, from from John O'Groats to to Land's End in uh, naked, and I presume he managed to do it. Um, well, I haven't got a problem with that. Even if you think about it, if everybody walked around naked, it might be a better better world. <laughs> there might be less uh, sexual problems in the world. <laughs> I've got to tell you, it, than we have now. Terry, if I was sitting down having a meal with Anne. Um, and yeah. certainly if I was with the kids and a couple of uh, I've got a couple of words in my mind straight away but I'm not going to use them and if they just happen to wander in in the buff um, I think I would consider going over and giving them a kick in the ghoulies if I'm honest um, I mean quite <laughs> honestly I, I really don't understand the, um, the, the, the grey matter of somebody who thinks they can just wander in while the rest of us have all got to go in and uh, think about other people and try and look, make ourselves look presentable uh, these two think that they can just wander in in the buff I, I think they've uh, probably got mental problems that I don't know whether or not you might see it that way no, now no, but I, I agree if there's only one reason they do it they're, they're, they're doing it to shock people they're shock jocks they're doing it to shock people you know it's it's it's, it's only one step further on from where every kid goes to in their in their youth we've had skinheads we've had flower power we've had everything which all the different fashions that shock the parents uh, uh, uh over the years and this is just another one really obviously it's a bit on the extreme side of things but in reality i mean <laughs> obviously you know i, I the the obvious argument being how can you walk? How can you strip off in a pub? Which is basically that's what you're doing. Um, but in reality, I, I must seriously think about this and say, well, why wouldn't they be able to uh, walk in naked? Let's be honest now, Vince. Uh, as women, especially, uh, pride themselves in, in uh, sometimes not obviously some women, certainly celebrity women, pride themselves on wearing the minimal amount of clothing possible, possible uh, in public, in front of the cameras. Uh, to, to to be seen and to uh, and be admired. Uh, they're they're just you know they're, they're a postage stamp of material away from being offensive to you. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's a very fine line, and as you know, thinking about it logically, there's a very fine line there to be drawn. Uh, and I find it really really strange. It's amazing that a woman can publicly show all of her breasts except the nipple. Which is really, really strange. I find that really, really strange. <laughs> but uh, I did see a photograph once. Where it was, uh, it was some some guys were fed up that, that women were always flaunting their breasts, etc. So they had trousers. Had the trousers cut out with the testicles hanging down, not the penis. Just had the, the so they they actually stood in a pub in a pub, uh, stood there with their testicles hanging out of the trousers, <laughs> but not the penis. And I thought, well, that you can't you can't really argue about that if you know if there's a woman at the bar with the with the threatening bits hanging out, then why can't a bloke have his testicles hanging out? Well, I've, I've got a funny one. Of better things to look at. I was uh, down in the south of France, and so this was at a time when my boys were all young. So Anne and I had got down to this beach, and we got a picnic, and we were just getting the sandwiches out. 
and along came two who were batting for the other side and basically uh, they dropped the trousers and then whilst we're just about ready to tuck into whatever the type of sandwich was uh, one one decides he wants to bend over and um, show us the proximity of his backside to the Mersey Tunnel I mean to be honest with you I think it's all about decorum it's not so much about being um, totally offensive it's just when it's inappropriate I mean I didn't realise it was nudist beach by the way if I'd have known that then you know I would not have gone there but I mean they had the rest of the beach to go and uh, parade their words so there's only one thing for me it was a bit of it was part of their marketing by the sound of things so (laughs) actually more and more certainly it's fine more and more nudist beaches now uh, have been released I mean beaches being released for nudism um, naturism it's just, there's more and more. So I mean, it's, it's, to be honest, it's never really uh, been my cup of tea. I can't really see myself wandering around in, in the buff. <laughs> I've had enough to look at with my clothes. I never mind with nothing on. Um, but it's. Um, but I do have to say, if you think logically, I can't see anything wrong with it. Obviously, the people we're talking about are shock jocks. Are going in there to cause a shock. The, the, you can't tell me they want to go in and eat with no clothes on because they find it more comfortable. I wouldn't. I mean, if you Chop a bit of hot gravy. That could be very dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got to say, for me, I do see after years of building up manners and trying to behave in a way that's not going to upset other people, uh, this is just another step along the path of trying to destroy all our values. And these two people, obviously, probably have got a few bob for being contentious. I've got another one for you, which is totally and utterly nothing like that. Very interesting, actually. Here it comes. Just a reminder to our listeners, these are the stories anybody can get their hands on. It's just basically things that either aren't getting the publicity or are getting the wrong publicity. Here comes a strange one as well. Okay, Terry, we're off to France now and fury has erupted. And this is after dozens of 7,000-year-old standing stones erected by prehistoric humans were destroyed to make way for a DIY store. Uh, so they're telling me there was uh, 37 stones, standing stones between half a metre and a metre were each destroyed by the development of the large construction for a Monsieur Bricolage. Uh, this was an outlet in Carnac in Brittany, up in the northwest of France. And according to the local amateur archaeologist Christian Obates, uh, the site has been on France's national archaeological map since 2015, as well as being on the town's official lists of local megaliths. The site was also going to be submitted to France's Ministry of Culture, with a view to listing it as a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Karnak is famous for its ancient menhir, that's the standing stone of course, heavy raised standing stones which spread across uh, three alignments in Maynac, Camario and Kerlescan. Now the reason why I looked at this one and wanted to talk to you about it was because I took a party of students across um, to visit this site and uh, if they're only talking about 37 stones, well my memory seems to 
remember more than 37. I think I'm thinking something like 137. So my guess is this is a side issue to the main standing stones. Having said that, you know when you look at Stonehenge and as a builder and construction, you'll know the necessity of what would be needed to move these stones. I stood and looked at it in absolutely just wonder and amazement when I saw this particular um, standing. And I have to be honest, I don't understand how the French could even contemplate moving them for a bricolache. Um, you know, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I think there's a little bit more to this story personally. Oh, absolutely. It's that five-letter word again, pound money. Yeah. There's, uh, I'm only surmising. Uh, uh, you can just picture the scene, can't you? Uh, there's this piece of land with the, with the standing stones on it, which is now, obviously, it's probably in, the, in, in a very uh, built-up area or built-around-it area, shall we say, uh, and an area that's much desired, but, of course, you can't use a build on it because it's got the standing stones on it so some idiot can uh, get in there with his uh, checkbook and wipe the money and get things passed and get the and before you know it you know it takes a day to take this stuff out they can take the stuff out with bulldozers and clear the site in a day uh, and that's it so it's gone now so there's no point crying about it and, and the rest of it the bloke will then carry on and build his bloody uh, his, his store it's it's um, it does happen. It happens here, Vince. To be honest with you, yeah. Uh, not not thin as much that you've got standing stones, but uh, archaeological uh, certainly on this part of the coast and, and where you are, archaeological stuff just gets bulldozed in. Mm. The developers digging the way and they find stuff. Um, I, down in Albia, I remember um, before it was built up, I was working uh, on on a front. Uh, I say front line. It was the only line uh, apartments and. In, Behind that, on the, the one street back, was all forest, and they levelled these forests for a, for a second-row building. And they found uh, Roman graves. They found about two dozen of them. Uh, and, but, and now, look what happened. The, the Alicante Archaeological uh, uh, Ministry is very strong, and they somebody had notified the, 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 the archaeological people in Alicante, and they came straight down. And they salvaged it in as much that it was roped off and fenced off and it was completely, they'd logged it and photographed it and everything. Uh, and it was eventually dug up and they did build on top of it. Uh, but I remember going over to see the graves and they were very small graves. Every, every uh, body was in the fetal position. So it was as if it was a case of rather than build the, 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 the six-foot grave, they, um, they decided that uh, it was... It was, it was <laughs> It was a lot easier to dig a small grave and crunch up the body a bit and shove him in. Because all the graves were small, because that was probably quite hard ground there. Mm. But yeah, so in this country, uh, they do they do maintain it. They do look after it. But uh, certainly, uh, it's a shame to hear that's been happened in France. Well, I know um, I was very surprised recently when I was in Javier because you've got the Javier, which everybody probably is more aware of with all the British bars and all that sort of stuff. But if you go round the other side um, and up towards, I think there's a tower there with a, uh, yeah, but I'm pretty sure there's a tower there as well or uh, something of um, some archaeological significance. But certainly along the side of the sea where they've got a nice promenade now, uh, there must be a quarter of a mile of Roman um, and even be pre-Roman um, uh, it was some mineral that they uh, they've extracted there and mm. uh, extensive I mean I don't know if you've seen it Terry but it's uh, it was quite impressive really 
Yeah, there's one in Albir, actually. Um, uh, it's known, you, you wouldn't know it unless somebody took you to it. That's actually on the coast, uh, um, just around from the end of where uh, where the, all the buildings are in Albir, where they stop, and it literally goes round to a headland, heading towards Benidorm. Uh, there's, a, there's a bay there that if you go down there, I can't remember what it was, but it, it was an ore that was mined um, by the Romans and previous to that, I imagine, as well, for its colour. It was for colouring. I think it sounds it the was, same it, one. Yeah, the, the it Phoenicians. Was sort of like ochre or something or whatever that, that, that it was... Uh, it was mined because in those days they were for fortune if you can create something with colour. Uh, and, you, and when you go down and people explain it to you, you can see, you can you can you can see where the things have been worn and dug out and uh, where there must have been boats brought in to ship it out. Uh, so yeah, that's. But then again, that's not. It's not been built on. Um, that's for sure. Yeah. But uh, it's it's not been, to my knowledge, it's not been made public. Hmm. Oh, you've given me a day out there, Terry. I'll go and have a look at that. Okay, here's the next one. Okay, so reading from the article, there's been a lot of a, uh, of it about uh, in the press recently with dire warnings that if uncontrolled, AI threatens the survival of the human race. Uh, but when it comes to medicine and specifically using it for diagnosis, uh, I'm all for it. This is the person that's writing the article. And uh, there's a growing body of evidence showing that I, AI can help. Now, a study last year in the Korean Journal of Radiology found that AI can significantly improve the ability of radiologists to pick up breast cancers from mammograms in screening programs. This would not only improve outcomes for patients, but also save money and time and help make jobs such as mine more manageable. Um, Can't remember what this particular person's job was, so sorry about that. Um, I know there are plenty of patients who have had to wait too long to see me and too long to get scan results. And like all medics, um, I have also been wrong about some diagnoses. However, I would never want to be treated by an AI doctor, as some uh, are suggesting. The idea of seeing only a robot with artificial intelligence at your need, uh, your hour of need, is both abhorrent and dangerous. As a medic, you often rely on human instinct to find out from the patient what's really going on. You just can't base your interpretation on what they initially say to you. I looked at a comment which I thought might be useful for us and um, this person writes, I'd rather rather be seen by an AI doctor than none at all. Then there's the straight away versus when you can manage to get to see the doctor. And I bet the AI will insist on BP, blood pressure, obviously, heart rate and temperature recorded before the interview. So there's some understanding of basic health. Who gets 20 minute doctor appointments anyway? Not NHS, that's for sure. So uh, that human connection wouldn't have happened here. And I like cheap, cheaper with similar quality is always better. 
no matter of AI misdiagnosis rate, I notice, uh, no mention, sorry, which either means it isn't known or it's less worrying either way. Well, I don't think they could have data particularly on that just yet. But uh, what's your idea uh, about going to see a robot as opposed to seeing your, um, well, I don't know if you remember what your doctor looks like. I mean, is it something that you can relate to? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see lots of doctors in my life, believe me. Uh, I'm sure I've been I'm sure I've been in the presence of one or two robots as well, thinking about it. You know, I mean, truthfully, because you get some doctors who uh, do not want to... Uh, you're just, you're just a, a number, basically, uh, who they will probably have uh, predetermined what they think is wrong with you and treat you accordingly and off you go. Uh, it's not really the fireside chat that you, you're hoping to get most of the time. Um, but, but logically, this is about Spain I'm talking about. I presume it's probably even worse in the UK. There isn't any time. Get in and see a doctor. I don't have a problem seeing a doctor in this country. I don't, I don't at all. Not in Spain. It's uh, um, nationally offer. In fact, they found me up yesterday to go for a for a, for a blood analysis. That was out of the blue. I thought, oh, fine, fair enough. So um, I've got a lot of time for what happens here in Spain. Yeah. Uh, regarding to AI, uh, like operating on me, it's coming, Vince. It's it's happening already, um, and they they obviously can be a lot more delicate. And you're not going to get a mishap, uh, you know, a slip of a hand uh, in, in a delicate incision, um, theoretically. But there's an awful lot of uh, gaps that need to be filled before that can uh, can happen in, in, in all cases, etc. But it is the future, mate, literally. Mm. Well, uh, I've got two thoughts in my mind as we're talking. One is uh, I saw a robot that was being used by a hospital at distance, uh, so the uh, the you know the robot uh, mm. from one hospital was communicating with the robot yeah. from another hospital. So I c- I can understand what that can do. I can understand also the um, uh, maybe holding steady of maybe whatever needs to be inserted into whatever orifice you know pe- people have got to mm. unfortunately go along with. Uh, but yeah. what I did also pick up today, which again a bit of a contrast, but at the same time you can see this. Um, there was a program called Doctors On. I just happened to be having a cup of coffee. I watched it, uh, part of it. And the receptionist was sort of analysing some of the people that were coming in. And she gave one particular lady the idea that she had some sort of viral disease that was was uh, probably latent due to a holiday that she'd had. Um, so the lady was panicking and came into the surgery, went to see the doctor. The doctor uh, discovered that it wasn't that at all. It was something like uh, psoriasis or something like that, something you know quite yeah. common. Um, and then yeah. later on, the doctor was uh, discussing the outcome and the cause of the problem with the receptionist, which is all very human and probably quite accurate. I could see that happening. Uh, mm. Whereas... I wonder whether the AI would automatically pick up the difference between what the misdiagnosis had been and what this, yeah. uh, you know, the outcome really was. Interesting, that yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I would like, I think that the, we won't happen this way, but the, the, the ideal um, scenario would be uh, a robot um um, using a robot and a doctor at the same time because then you've got two 
you know, one or the other may well just pick up on something that the other one hasn't, because uh, information is is is, is gold. Okay. Um, so that that's where I think it, it would certainly be a, um, a bonus. Um, but it will happen, certainly for mundane things. It, it's happening already, isn't it, Vince? If you think about it. Yeah. <clears throat> well, well uh, no, because in England, if you've only got if you if you just feel you've got snuffles or whatever, or you might have a bit of flu or something. It's altering one one one, isn't it, or something? Yeah. And then you get somebody on the end of the phone who will diagnose you on the end of the phone, rather than bother you going out to bother your GP. Now that's only one step away, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and perhaps it might be better to be interviewed by by a robot rather than somebody on the end of the phone. Um, so, um, well, I don't it's, know. It's got its place, but it's, it's going to certainly have its place in our yeah, lives. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything that you said. Um, I'm thinking of the uh, the phone calls we get, and when you're trying to tell the person on the other side of the telephone, who just happens to be a robot, who, you know, uh, because mm. it's only by asking certain questions you know that it's a robot. Um, I wouldn't like that to be a doctor needing an answer to be given a little bit more information or something like that. As you say, Terry, I think we're always we're already living bits of it. So um, with yeah. that, I'll give you the next one. And this one, children and the BBC come into uh, play. Um, so a bit of Coldplay, and I think that will probably set the scene. Okay, as hermaphrodite, uh, oh dear. Hermaphrodite, hermaphrodite. That's uh, in the plural, hermaphrodites. Okay, well done. Um, clownfish, uh, they're born with uh, both sets of reproductive organs and can change from male to female if the alpha female in their group dies. Now, a minute-long clip shown in between programmes on the CBeebies, that's the children's channel on Sunday morning, featured the puppet presenter Dodge, T-Dog, in the studio. He asked viewers, would you like to learn something very cool about fish? You would. Listen to this. Some fish can change from being a boyfish to a girlfish, or from being a girlfish to a boyfish, he went on. As a video showed, the orange and white fish made famous by uh, Finding Nemo. Uh, let's look at the clownfish. Aren't they beautiful? They live in a big group and their leader is always a female fish. But if the group needs a new leader, that male fish can change into a female fish in order to become the leader. There's also a fish called the kabutai. And when the female reaches a certain age over the period of a few months, he turns into a male fish. Wow. He concluded not all fish can change gender, but quite a few can. The world really is a wonderful place. Caroline Fisk from Conservatives for Women told the newspaper last night the fact that the BBC is inserting this clownish narrative into children's programming during Pride Month is pernicious. Many of us mm. are sadly very confident that the agenda is to confuse young children about their sex. A BBC spokesperson said while this segment aired at the start of June, it was not produced specifically for Pride Month. CBeebies, everyone's welcome ethos, supports exclusivity. And we air segments on a range of related topics throughout the year. Terry, um, I suspect that the uh, very, very always uh, 
totally and utterly innocent BBC uh, are busy working their mischievous ways again. Would you agree, I or agree. Would you, you, I agree you think so? You. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, it, yeah. Why would you <clears throat> uh, get that across to young kids? <clears throat> it's not a necessary bit of information. Um, it's an interesting bit of information, but it does, uh, as you quite rightly say. In the, in, in the current climate regarding gender and, and a complete... To be, I'm getting confused. Never mind being... How does a child try and get their head around all this? It, it's just ridiculous. Uh, and the quicker it gets stopped, the better. You know, I really, really... I really am getting fed up with it, as you may know. Uh, and it has to stop. It has to stop. There's nothing good going to come out of this. It really isn't. Well, I've got to stop and go and sort this out. Uh, and bring some sort of legislation if necessary, or not so much legislation as as a definitive di- biological description. Uh, um, which, how many people was it? Keir Starmer refused to answer about what is a woman. <laughs> yeah. he, he couldn't say how did you make you know, what what makes a woman different to a man? Can a man be a woman? I think was the question he was asked, and vice versa, and he couldn't answer it. And that, what and is that... a woman was the question. He couldn't answer it. And that Davey... But, but why can't you answer? Of course he can answer it. He's afraid to answer it. Yeah. And this is the problem. There's so many people in public office that are afraid to address that question. And somebody's got to stand up with the cojones, pardon the pun, to, uh, to address the question and put it straight and move on. It's so much time and being been wasted in, in, in this stupidity. It really is annoying. Well, Ed Davey apparently was busy telling everybody on Radio 4 that uh, women can have a penis. So uh, that was one thing. And then another thing that uh, appears today, uh, all the flags around, I think it's uh, probably Geneva. I'm not too sure it's either Geneva or Brussels. All the nations have got the LGBT colours up instead of the national flag. So, I mean, it's basically it's orchestrated for me. Um, I've got one a comment from that uh, particular article. This factually and scientifically correct. If we didn't live in these politically correct, strange, obscure times, no one would have thought twice at this information being given to children on TV. When I was a child, it uh, would have simply been thought of as a weird but interesting piece of information that I would have asked my teacher about the next day at school to see if they knew this. If they didn't, on my next trip to the local library, I may have uh, visited relevant sections to get a book about this phenomenon so I could read all about fish that do this in order to both learn and satisfy my natural curiosity all children have. What next? Are we no longer allowed to tell children that it's the male seahorse that incubates, gives birth and rears the many babies, all born at the same time because it feeds into the anxiety of parents and what their children are being exposed to, information-wise? For the seahorse, it's simply how they procreate, always has been and always will be. And I think that's the nub of really what we're talking about. I think had this happened a very, very short mm. space of time ago, I think you and I would both have been quite happy to let, to, to let that one go yeah. by. Well, the, 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 you use the word weird there. Yes, because the, the comment we would all make in seeing that would be, but isn't that weird? Yes. Well, yeah, that's what it is. And that's the end of it. And that's exactly what we're talking about with all this, this gender-bloody-related, whether you're boy, your girl, you're half in between. Ben Davies saying a, a woman can have a penis. Yeah, a woman can have a penis, but they're called hermaphrodites. 
it's 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 that's it. As you are, you're a hermaphrodite. We haven't got to have any more biological terms for the hundred different uh, colours of, of, of sexuality that they're trying to push across to us. People do not have to have different pronouns. So there's nothing wrong with he or she. And, and in my book, it will always be that way, I promise you. And me with Listen, you... I have, many, I, have many, I have many gay friends, and they're all saying the same as me. It's not just me being anti-phobic. It's also homophobic. It's, it's, they are all saying the same thing, and quite of them... A few of them are quite uh, prolific on, on, on Facebook, for instance, about it. Um, they're making comments. And I know that they're gay. They don't come out and say they're gay. I know that they are gay. And I'm quite pleased to see them um, putting put their side of the, uh, a, a normal slant on things, shall we say, rather than jumping on the popular bandwagon, which is dressed up like an absolute idiot, take to the streets with a placard, saying boys will be girls and girls will be boys. And we demand a whole new... Uh, biological uh, reason for living. It's, it's not on. It's not going to happen. Finish it. It's quite funny if you listen to the words of the song Lola by the Kinks, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, because basically it does show us that these sort of people were about in the 60s, but they had their correct place in society, um, unless there's been such a proliferation, yeah. uh, but nobody has actually seen it. Uh, but for me... Oh, no, the trouble is, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't long before, before the... the the King's brought Lola out that uh, homosexual was, was homosexual, but the reality was was illegal in the UK. I think it was in the fifties, sixties, was it or something? Yeah, where the, it was, it was, it was uh, that was was lifted from it. There's mm. nothing wrong with homosexuality. Very There's nothing in- wrong with a bloke feeling that he is is he really is a woman. There's nothing wrong with a woman feeling that she's really is a bloke. I haven't got a problem with that. Just don't start making all different rows and segments and sections and colours and shapes and sizes and pronouns to give time to try and colour your idea of, of how your life should be. We are what we are. You're a bloke or you're a woman. You might be a bloke that likes blokes or a woman that likes women. That's not a problem. I haven't got a problem with that. Just stop splitting society and, and, and causing this horrendous guilt trip that you're, they're, they're forcing on everybody. That's why Keir Starmer would not answer... What is a woman? Mm. He's got to get the, they've got the guilt trip drummed into him. You can't, you can't say anything because you'll get it wrong. You'll, you'll upset one of the hundred different divisions of genderism. You can't say anything because you. That's what they're told to do. They're told not to say anything. It's you, completely. It's outrageous, mate. It's got to be stopped. Okay, um, just a period of time that you mentioned. Uh, we were talking very, very quickly about uh, the time the homosexuality uh, bill was about, and uh, there mm. was a, there was a knock on number ten Downing Street, and Harold Wilson was actually the incumbent, and um, oh, yeah, and uh, the, whoever it was answered the door, and, and um, Harold shouts, "Who is it?" And he said. Um, it's a man about the homosexuality bill, and Harold shouts out, "Pay it, pay it!" Um, <laughs> and now the reason why I tell you this is because I've only recently met um, a a gentleman whose dad was um, the captain of the boat Morning Cloud. Do you remember Morning Cloud? No. Yes, you will. Edward Enjoy. Heath. Edward Heath used to used oh. to sail. <laughs> So yeah, you never know. You never know who's about, do you? Really interesting. No, you don't. Okay. No, no, no. no very true. Uh, very quick one here. Very, very quick. This next one. Very quick in what I'm going to give you for information, but I might, we might need a bit more time. Here we go. 
So I don't know if you'd picked up on the 5th and 6th of this week. The UK government were going to look at the, um, the ladies' retirement age in the UK pension. And the question, will the UK government be made to give back the right to retire at 60 uh, to all those women who had worked and paid their national insurance, uh, yet now have their pension payout delayed until 66? A friend of mine brought this up and I did say, well, I'll mention it to Terry, see what Terry thinks about it. Because I did see in the paper going through earlier today um, that they're procrastinating once again. Uh, yet when it comes to anything for the, maybe the MPs or something like that, they certainly get their, um, they get their money quickly sorted out there, don't they? Oh, of course they do. But I've never understood why women retire earlier before men. Women live longer than men. So surely men should be retiring earlier than women, no? Well, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I've never understood the reasoning behind that in the first place. I, I so would. Why is there sexual differentiation between retirement age? I, I do agree with you, by the way, because it's something that I have been thinking about recently. The only thing I would say, um, and you know, trying to defend what I can see through my own lifetime, is the likes of my wife, my mum. You know, they would uh, be working all day, um, and in the modern era, you've got people uh, out working all day, and it's usually the wife that will come back and do the housework, do the cooking, do the cleaning, and all all that sort of stuff, um, the the male chauvinist will give you the reason why. But I think in some respects, I do feel that um, certainly in my own education, we didn't really learn anything about domestic science. Um, really, it was a bit shambolic yeah. in the grammar system, you know. Mm. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'd be interested to know the official reason why women were deemed to be able to retire before men. I can only assume it goes back to some sort of Victorian thing where work was physically hard uh, mm. and guys being bigger and stronger presumably can, can, can do a physically hard job for longer. I can't think of any other reason, Vince, at all. I'm really interested to know that. We'll have to Google that one and try yeah. and find out what that's about. Well, I wouldn't trust Google. I wouldn't trust Google as far as you can throw it. Depends on what the al algorithms are set up. Um, um, but you've got you have to trawl through different pages in Google. Not don't just take the first answer that comes up. Absolutely. Listen, I've got you I've got cross, cross matching. Something that's coming up now is regarding one of your friends. Here we go, and you'll find this uh, very interesting. Okay, I'm deliberately playing the um, the sound of a car because one of Finland's richest men has been handed an eye-watering, I'll give you the figure in a minute, speeding fine by the police. Um, Anders Wilkoff, a uh, 76-year-old, was caught doing... Now, he's done 51 in a 30-mile-per-hour zone along a road on the Alland Islands. This is one of the autonomous archipelagos in the Baltic Sea. It's part of Finland, uh, and because Finland does have a different way of looking at speeding, what would you get if we you were found 51 and a 30, say, in Spain? What would you expect for that? Uh, it's more than 50%, so you're into a, 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 a serious uh, speeding fine. 
Uh, but officially, I don't know, it could be about two or three hundred euros, maybe. Okay. Uh, well, this man, uh, he's one of the richest men, and he has been fined a hundred and four thousand pounds. Now I'll mm. go on. I'll explain this. Um, Finland penalises speeding motorists by f- uh, fining them based on their income. Multi- well done. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought you, I thought you'd like this because I think you mentioned this Absolutely. once before. Multi-millionaire and businessman Wilkoff was hit with a hefty fine. Uh, he grew up on the Island Islands and had been travelling with his friends when he was caught speeding and handed uh, this particular fine, um, which is about €121,000. Uh, this, according to one of the Finnish newspapers, Naya Aland, and the businessman said the speed limit suddenly turned to 30 miles and he had tried to slow down in time quote from him i slowed down you shouldn't panic break um anyway but then the blue light came after me alongside his hefty fine he had his driving license suspended for 10 days um so you probably read there's a bit more to this and sure enough it's not the first time that he um has been caught he founded his company wilkoff holding in 1987 has been fined uh in 2013 £80,000 when he was caught 47 in a a 30-mile zone, uh, again on the islands, uh, handed to Finnish drivers, uh, but the businessman said he hoped the money would go towards health care and care for the elderly. I really regret the matter and hope that the money is, in any case, used for health care through the Treasury. Uh, He's the chairman of the holding company and um, it's logistics, helicopter services, real estate, trade and tourism. Um, and uh, just a final paragraph, in Finland, speeding fines are proportional uh, to the driver's income, uh, meaning the multimillionaire was required to pay a fine equal to 14 days of income. Um, so, I'm what do you think? I'm very pleased to hear that. that should be, all the governments should think about that and, and put it into play. A, it's going to raise an awful lot more money, and B, uh, hopefully it will keep it, um, a bit, 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 bit less death off the roads. Having said that, it sounds like if he said he wants, hopes the fine was given will be given to the the National Health Service in Finland that, and he's done it before. So it's a strange way of uh, operating philanthropism, isn't it? <laughs> so he obviously puts his foot down to raise a few bob for the local uh, health service. Good well, on him, long as he keeps paying it, I don't mind. Well, funny enough, uh, there was. The week before, and we didn't really have time to cover this, but there's um, reading, uh, one Spain major change concerns the use of radar detectors. So this is very new. Until now, using them was illegal, but that regulation has been tightened. Uh, just to possess one in your car, even if it's not in use, is now considered a serious offence and carries 200 uh, euros and three points. Another device is a radar inhibitor. The DGT states that inhibitors track radars and annul their operation. To have one installed when driving is punishable with fines of up to €6,000 and six points. Workshops that install these devices are also liable to fines up to €30,000. However, Mm. radar warning devices, GPS and mobile apps, on the other hand, are not considered illegal but caution is advised not to operate the device while actually driving. Uh, according to the DGT, they place the radars on the map and alert the driver to their proximity. Therefore, their use is legal. The DGD 
has uh, toughened up on other sanctions with penalties of up to €500 Euros in the case of very serious offences, some of which include using an unauthorised intercom device in tests to obtain or regain a driving licence, throwing objects on the road that co- could cause fires or accidents, stopping or parking in cycle lanes or cycle paths, motorcyclists or cyclists using a mobile phone by holding it in one hand or fitting it between the head and the helmet and failing to comply with the obligation to be in control of the vehicle at all times. I need to ask you, have you seen those new um, changes and do you agree with them? Yeah, they've been banging, they've been muted a while back um, that they're bringing them in. Yeah, I, I agree with them. I mean, my car's got radar detection systems built into it. But it's it's fixed radar detection, so it tells you where the fixed uh, um, radars are. So you you get you get enough notice to slow down in case you are going over the limit. And it, the limits are very hazy in this country, sadly, and very weird. You know, you you you're on a road and it says uh, 90, and then all of a sudden it says 60 and 30, within about 50 meters. It's impossible. Yeah, you, you could slam all, all four, uh, break all four wheels and stick the handbrake on and, and chuck an anchor out the window. You still wouldn't slow down fast enough to to within that parameter of distance to to, to comply with the law. So, and then of course they stick speeding, uh, not speed, uh, speed limits behind trees, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, uh, which is very. I say they stick them, but they 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 put them in places where there no trees will grow, uh, and don't go and cut the trees back. So there's no ignorance to the fact that you didn't see the sign. That's not worth uh, what's it. I was for a second when you said no trees. I thought you meant no trees. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was him as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we're not long to go now. So off we go with our next one. Uh, let's see what we've got here. You couldn't. Rip, you could not write the script of this one. So this is a teenager convicted of manslaughter and he's taken the home office to court claiming, wait till you hear this one, he's unable to party after leaving prison because of an ankle tag. So there's this uh, Lucas Makula, 19. You uh, look at the fact that he's jailed for five years in 2018 for causing the death of an LD man. So, uh, we're not talking about a saint. He claims curfew conditions, such as the GPS monitoring tag, have made it difficult for him to get a delivery job or see his girlfriend. Um, His claim stated, It is detrimental to the claimant's mental well-being that he is unable to leave his premises after 8pm which deprives him of the opportunity to socialise with his peers. Uh, The case, which was heard in a youth court, heard no details of the attack, which saw Slovakian-born Makula jailed. High court papers disclose his manslaughter conviction and sentence. Uh, While in a young offenders institution, he was reportedly sanctioned 40 times for his behaviour. He was eligible for release in March 2020, but detained with a deportation notice before being allowed out of immigration detention on bail in May 2020. During those two months, he won a claim for false imprisonment with an £18,500 payout after it emerged he had been eligible for release on licence. Besides wearing an ankle tag, he also has a 12-hour curfew at an address in Leicester between 8 o'clock evening and 8 o'clock morning. 
Obviously, the Home Office's contesting his case and claims he's breached his bail conditions 13 times with a medium risk of reoffending. I mean, you can't write this stuff, but this is fact. And to be yeah, honest the man, with you... The man's a professional criminal. Just lock him up. But I wouldn't waste any time on the bloke. He's, he's obviously no intention of complying with, 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 with being a good citizen. He's, he's determined to be a bad citizen, costing the, the, his, neighbor, <clears throat> his neighbourhood uh, lots of money to, to, to keep him under control. If he can't keep himself under control, then lock him up until he can keep himself under control. I don't see a problem. Well, they've got this TikTok guy we, we were discussing last week. This guy that was doing all sorts of things like jumping into people's cars, you know, yeah. especially when, like, it was a female on her own and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And he's been to court twice, and now he's been out uh, organising a group of thugs. I think they went into Marks and Sparks or one of the uh, one of the retail outlets causing mayhem. Um, I mean, the thing is, when is the judiciary going to actually align itself with what's going on in society? Because that's where I see a big problem at the moment. Well, you need you need the party of common sense to be in power, and until I can't think of any government that hasn't got a party of common common that has to have, you know they have to have a until these uh, until these. Until these things happen and uh, and the world comes to its senses, it's just going to it's just going to carry on getting worse and worse, isn't it? Well, I can't see it getting any better. And to be honest with you, um, I was looking for material that we might need to discuss today. Um, I had to put the paper down and go and take a, a, a bit of a walk because it was so depressing. Um, I mean, you know, we've we've had uh, what, about a week and a half, a week and a half of Philip Schofield and that, all that rubbish. Um, I mean, it just really, uh, it's like reading the Beano, but every now and again you realise it's not a comic. It's actually the, the British society that we've both left. And, uh, you know, I, my heart bleeds for people who are trying to do good work and just get on with their lives. It's almost as if it's crumbling. Well, but the, the, you get to the nutshell, you mentioned that the, the, the world has revolved around Philip Schofield for over a week now. There isn't any other news that's worthy of... of uh, of looking at in the whole of the world, the whole of the world, and it's all about a bloke who has an affair with somebody else in the workplace, and that has—I mean, the bloke will end up topping himself. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And this is this is where common sense has to prevail. We have to need—we've got to bring common sense back into this world and support people who will who will defend common sense. And get ourselves back into something like where we used where we used to be. Totally with you, Terry. Um, okay, well, as we look at um, the end of a yet another Britain's Got Talent, um, I don't know if you saw it, but apparently, I refuse to even look at it because I know that Britain hasn't got any talent. <laughs> well, don't worry. By the... he's not British, is he the bloke who won it? He was Norwegian, <laughs> and it was. <laughs> It was funny, but I mean, when you actually looked at some of the things that some of the other people were doing, uh, what's worrying is the fact that the British public voted him for him to win it. Anyway, Terry, uh, once again, it's well, always I'm a very pleased to hear it because it sounds like the British public are voting to get the bloody program taken off the air. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's part of it. Terry, I wish you well. Have a great week, and look forward All to right. our chat next week.
Okay, kids, look cool to that. Cheers. Thanks, Terry. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.